Welcome to the Happy You're Here podcast. In this show, we talk about tools, techniques, and ideas to help us live more fulfilling and connected lives. In this episode, we have Matt Tompkins from Omaha, which is great because uh, recently I've been interviewing guests from all over the world, so it's cool to have someone from Omaha again on the show. Matt is a media creator. He does all kinds of different stuff that I'll let him kind of introduce a little bit more, but like we've been doing recently on the show, I want to start out asking, getting straight to the point, the show originally was all about tools and techniques and ideas that can help us live more fulfilling lives. So I want to toss this over to you, Matt, right away and say, what is a tool or an idea that has been instrumental in transitioning your life uh, to becoming more fulfilling? Uh, I, right now, I would say probably the biggest thing is establishing boundaries and routines, and they kind of inter- intertwine together uh, because um, I, in doing the media creation and yeah. being manic depressive, I would get just all into projects. And I did that in like yearly phases of like, okay, the next four years, I'm all into this or this or this. And when it got to producing a TV show, it was a sketch comedy TV show, it was my dream to always do this. Uh, that's when things kind of spiraled out of control because I was just always working at home. I had I could set my own schedule, and uh, I was also on a bunch of prescription pain medications for surgeries and stuff that I had, and that was all a combination, just a recipe for uh, just demise. Yeah. And and even when I got sober and clean, it was about two and a half years sober and clean, I still felt horrible, and I was still overweight. Just didn't I? I I couldn't figure out why if I couldn't figure out if it was my job making depressed, my me depressed, or if I was depressed because of my job or yeah, I were the other way around this chicken and egg thing. And what, what helped me was, um, it was a couple, couple kind of turning points, but like one of them was a book that my wife recommended called micro resilience. And in there they talk about, uh, setting boundaries and routines. And so I started doing that and I, a routine that I had when I was in, in my early twenties was 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 working out and doing, you know, weightlifting and having that as a, you know, just physical strength training and, and exercise. Mm-hmm. That was a routine that I had. And so I started getting back into that. And at the same time, uh, earlier, this would have been earlier this year in January, uh, with my work situation, I also started creating boundaries there where. You know, I'm not, you know, I work early in the morning. So after two o'clock, I'm not checking my emails anymore for work. And, you know, if they text me at 10 o'clock at night, that's, you know, that's inappropriate. So I'm not going to text them back. Or, um, you know, I'm not going at six o'clock every night is my own cutoff. So I can't work on my own projects after six. I have to have three hours of just downtime uh, to kind of decompress and, you know, not working through the weekends and just little things like that. And, um, and creating separation in our house through those boundaries too, like physical separations, um, where this is my office where I work, and when I'm in my the living room, I'm relaxing and I'm watching TV. Or if I'm in my bedroom, I'm sleeping. I'm not on my phone or doing other things. And it sounds like a really kind of simple thing to do, but it had a major impact on on my ability. I think to, to um, <clears throat> that routine kind of gave me a foundation, and the boundaries gave me a structure. To where I could find myself, uh, I, I and it was over, probably over a, like a four, four week period where I saw just night and day differences in how I felt mentally, you know, and uh, so so it was it was huge. And then I a couple of months later started seeing results physically, where I my physical appearance started to reflect how I was feeling on the inside, you know, and mm-hmm. vice versa, and uh, which that made me feel good because I mean I, I at the time I was 40 pounds heavier than I am right now, and uh, in uh, lab last November. So, um, so yeah, so it kind of started to feed itself and, and 
and it's it's amazing how quickly you can turn things around by making really just kind of minor what seem like minor changes in your life so yeah boundaries and routines are probably the two biggest things yeah it's those minor changes in con- consistently you know that i just read yeah. atomic habits recently by james clear and that's what it's all about it's like taking whatever that big change you want to make in your life and boiling it down to like what are the little things that i need to do every day and those yep. have massive results so you you mentioned a few things there that I think would be helpful for the audience for, for context, and that is your um, you talk about the the, the painkiller and basically being depressed and and bipolar and those are all things that I have experienced with as well, mm-hmm. um, and definitely the the manic depressive like you know going all in on projects and then being just just totally burning out like within you know yeah kind of random intervals yeah. and then just deep diving and self sabotaging and and that vicious mm-hmm. cycle. <laughs> Um, so I'm interested to, to just hear a little bit of the high level of, of what that journey looks like for you. Yeah. You know, I mean, it started off for me is just, I had, I mean, I, I had surgeries cause I've had eight different surgeries on my, so I've had six surgeries on my shoulders and my back from a car accident and my hand, uh, from a separate accident. So, um, prior to all that though, like when I had my first couple surgeries, like I didn't have any issues getting addicted to, to pain medication. It was one of those things where I was on it for a few weeks and then off, like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a normal person would be. Um, but when I had, when I was on them for a year, because I had two surgeries in the same year, the kind of bookend of the year, I, had, I was on them for a year and I had a doctor who was very liberal in his prescriptions of them. I had no idea how addict- that they were even addictive in the first place. And then you factor in then the, um, you know, the bipolar disorder comes into play. And I think being on those medications through my, my brain's chemistry out of balance to where that bipolar, I started seeing extremes in the bipolar, like I hadn't seen before. So then it became a matter of, you know, self medicating this bipolar disorder, which I didn't even, I wasn't even diagnosed, you know, for years later. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how I got in, into it. And then it was like a 10 10 year journey of, of, from when I first got into it to, you know, getting to where I am today. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a long journey and, and I took kind of a longer road than most because I didn't, um, you know, I was really stubborn about, uh, like going to rehab or anything like that because I had, I had this TV show and I also did a three hour news talk show, which I love to do at the same time. And so I was like, well, if I do that, I'm giving up everything that I have dreamed of doing my entire life, you know, that so many other people would kill to do, you know, I've just got to, I kept telling myself, I'll figure a way out of this or, you know, something will happen. And obviously that's, you know, that's the, the say, they say the difference between a, a, a goal and a wish is a plan. Yeah. And there was no right. plan. It was just wishing this got better. And, um, and then you get to a point towards the end there where it's like, um, where you're no longer taking these to feel good. You're taking these so you don't feel sick and you're not going through withdrawals because when you go through withdrawals, you can't do anything, let alone be your, do your job or be creative. And that's when I finally, you know, I had to come forward and, and, you know, talk to my wife about it. And my, you know, my, 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 uh, boss at the time at, at the place I worked and, uh, my, my parents and my brother. And fortunately for me, everybody was very supportive. I mean, even at work, mm-hmm. they, I, I started to find out quickly that this is a much more common thing that, that I was going through than I would have ever guessed. And so, um, so I was fortunate in that regard. And then it was just the process of, 
you know, therapy and figuring out a way, uh, you know, the slow process, I think, the slow journey, maybe it's a better way to put yeah. it, uh, to sobriety and then into recovery. Right. Yeah. And that's an interesting point, too, is that, like, I think a lot of people, I actually just posted something about this on my Instagram recently, where a lot of people seem to think that, like, there's always this, like, cut and dry moment, like this drop or this, like, you know, rock bottom moment. And then you like just got better after that. And then everything's been uphill from there. Uh, and in my experience, and, and yeah. anybody, anyone that's stru- suffered from mental illness and or addiction, it's a windy road. Uh, and, you know, yeah. you have ups and downs and you have relapses, you know, and then uh, and not everyone has relapses. Like, I don't like to perpetuate that as a myth of like, you have to have a relapse well, if you're an addict. But <laughs> relapses are, are important. That was an important a major learning step for me because uh, my therapist at the time I kept I would get so down on myself and want to give up and just dive back into addiction because I relapsed yep. because I yeah. looked at it as a as a failure and you know, I'm pathetic I can't do this and then finally she said okay well let's take a look at the last year and so let's add up the number of days that you were actually in these relapses which usually lasted two or three days mm-hmm. At most, let's add up all the days, and there was like two weeks of that. And then, so like, so two weeks out of an entire year, you were on pain meds, as opposed to the previous five years straight, you were on them every single day. Right. So that's progress, you know. And so you're gonna you're gonna stumble and fall. That doesn't mean you failed. You have to look at okay, you know what? Last time I stumbled and fell after 30 days. This time I made it six months. Yep. You know. And so it's a process of. It's going to happen. You're going to stumble and fall, and 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 if you want to label it a relapse or whatever, it's it's not failure. It's not the end. That's just part of the journey, and that that's something I think that's tough for loved ones to to learn about too. And Alanon does a great job of of helping them through things like this. But you have to understand that, like, yeah, it's gonna. Sometimes it gets uglier before it gets better, and and there are going to be moments where they, they stumble and, and, you know, it's a matter of supporting them and uh, helping them in that long arc of, you know, not justice here, but of recovery. Yeah. It's a tricky balance. Um, The like self-compassion whenever you relapse and this can apply to people even like, obviously we're talking in the context of addiction right now, but even when we're talking about habits that we don't like, it's, it's incredibly similar. I mean, addictions are just behavioral extreme habits right um habits with extremely negative consequences um Mm -hmm. and you know yeah so like whether it's social media or just negative thought patterns you know that you want to try to curb and and uh you know on your path to living a better more fulfilling life those are all things that you you need to tackle at some point and just because oh i had a day where i was just beating myself up all day doesn't mean i failed with the negative thought patterns thing it's just like okay well you know that's a honestly they're usually great lessons for like what was the thing that triggered that you know and then now i know you know now i know what to watch out for i know how to you know potentially respond to that and then i'll get another chance at some point to test that resolve again and well using using even the the uh, the analogy of of working out and exercising Mm -hmm. yeah you know when you go to a gym you are literally failing that's what your goal is you are pushing your muscles to failure because at the point of failure is when they break down and then they can recover and rebuild stronger than they were before. So that's the yeah. whole, that's what you're doing with every single exercise or lift is you're pushing yourself to fail. And so you should actually fail and fail often in a lot of ways because yeah, you're gonna learn more from that. You're gonna learn more about yourself. 
you know, I mean, you look at if you look at anybody in our in anybody's life that they know who's has it all handed to them and they're entitled and those usually aren't very good people. They're not very nice because they they can't relate or understand to uh, struggling and and learning to how to pick yourself up and how to depend on other people and ask for help, which yeah. is I think one of the most challenging things to do for anybody. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can re- resonate with that a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, fitness has definitely been a big part of your journey. It's interesting because it has not been of mine, and I'm still yeah. I'm still actively, it's, like, yeah. I need to, that's a very, like, I'm I'm chronically tired, and I think that a, a big portion of that is just because I, I do not exercise enough. You know, I do, I mm. used to be an athlete when I was in, in high school and, and early college, um, not like a weightlifter or anything. Like I was never yeah. really that into any of that, but I was very competitive. I was very, I would practice, I would, I would be running like five miles a day because I was doing cross country and soccer. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I just kind of like got lazy with that cause I had no competition to motivate me. And I've been thinking recently, like, what can I pick back up like tennis or soccer or something where I can play with other people where there's that social competitiveness aspect that can motivate me to mm-hmm. get out and move and push my body a lot more because yeah. right now it's just like I'm not uh, motivated enough to do it, even though like and I know it's having a negative impact on my life. Um one uh one one thing that i that definitely was a huge there's there's a number of like turning points and like people ask always asking like what did you do as if there was one thing that i did right yeah to you know whether it's whether it's the fitness or like you said the mental wellness there's not just one thing it's a series of things that like you said the consistency of doing them every single day uh, but one one major one was you know i had no idea about like how hormones impact your level of fatigue mm. and uh feeling just lethargic and so i when i was on i had my bipolar disorder di- diagnosed i was on medication for that and i didn't feel sad and depressed but i just could not get up off the couch and i just could not get motivated and lack of motivation, fatigue, leth- uh, feeling lethargic, you know, a lower uh, sex drive, all of those things are indicators that either your thyroid is out of whack or you have low uh, blood sugar, A1C, you know, it could be type 2 diabetic, um, or that your testosterone is low. So I went in, they tested everything, everything was fine, except my testosterone was extremely low. Mm. And it was low because of my addiction. My addiction had affected my testosterone levels and they were like dangerously low. So when I got on a testosterone replacement uh, uh, plan, that was that enabled me to finally have normal levels of energy. Uh, and I look, I kind of describe it as like having the right tools for the job because pr- prior to this, I was trying to dig a hole with my hands instead of a shovel. And it's like you know, right. in frozen in frozen dirt, no no less, you know. So so yeah, I could totally relate to that. It feels um, it, it it feels like a a, a giant uphill struggle but also keep in mind that i think it wasn't the uh it wasn't as the phys- i mean physical fitness is obviously good for everybody right it, i mean you you know this yourself in different ways whether that's running or playing basketball or weightlifting or what have you uh going for a walk each day doesn't even have to be anything you know extreme right uh, but it's also not the the be-all end-all to, to getting to a better place with your mental health i think that the important what the the uh the exercise or the fitness for me was it was that routine it was right. that routine that i had you know and you probably have you probably established new root healthy routines for yourself in different ways that kind of helped you through what you went through you know so every person is different 
you're going to find a routine that fits you, that feels right, it'll click. And then if you do that every single day and you're consistent, you're going to you're going to feel better. And it could, you know, like I said, it, it could be physical health. It could be going to Bible study every day. It could be, uh, you know, just um, sitting outside and, and reading a book in, on the deck every afternoon. I mean, there's a lot of different routines getting up and making your bed every morning. That's a yeah. that's an easy one to start doing, you know, just to give yourself a feeling of a routine that you can accomplish every morning. So. So yeah, so I I don't I don't look at it as like fit, fitness is the answer. Sure. Yeah. You know, it worked for me, but and it's good for everybody, but it's not the yeah. it's not necessarily the answer for everybody's mental. Well, health. and I know plenty of people that are, you know, in the gym every single day and they're depressed and anxious. Yeah, yeah, and like, yeah yes, 100%. Yeah, because yeah. they're not taking care of the other pieces of the puzzle like for, Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's a balance. That's I mean, yeah. that's my biggest thing that I've discovered is it's such a balance. You can't have one without the other you have to have a nice balance of of both worlds you know yeah yeah there's a guy that we had on the show uh, uh like last year actually he was one of the first interviews we did and he's really into habits and he does has a youtube channel where he does like 30 day challenges his name is chase baron um and he's a physical okay. trainer so he's very very into like you know bodybuilding uh, gaining weight and that kind of thing and it's mm-hmm. it's funny when when he'll see an instagram story or something that i'll post and he'll like give me some feedback and like he's always coming from this place of like putting on muscle and i'm like that's totally yeah. not something that really motivates yeah. me at all um yeah. but you know we always have really good chats because uh i'm able to like come from the place of like the mental health side that he cares about but is just not able to talk about very often because that's just not mm-hmm. you know what he's positioned himself as um and the mindfulness side like that's big for me it was my practice that really helped was the meditation practice like every single morning getting up uh usually watch the sun sunrise when i can I, my mental health is is exponentially better when i get up and watch the sunrise every morning i hate yeah, waking well, but up that's early a, but but that's a healthy routine yeah. you know i mean that's that it really is and so you can count on that you can depend on that and i think in so many ways and that's why I mentioned routines and boundaries, and they, they, they definitely overlap. That's why I mentioned two for one there. But, like, with routines, like, it, it is such an easy way to reset your brain. It's telling yourself, okay, when I watch that sunrise, I know I'm going to have good mental health today now. Or I know I'm going to be in a better place mentally the rest of the day. Now, it, is it necessarily the actual sun itself right. rising? Or is it just you telling yourself, I believe in this and it's that, you know, that positive reinforcement you're giving yourself every day through that routine, you know, in the end, it doesn't matter. It right. works. Yeah. It, I mean, because it's, it's a healthy routine. A big part of it is those micro wins, right? Like when you, like you mentioned making yes, it bad, yeah. I forget who it is that really is like a big proponent of that. Um, some Navy SEAL guy that I might probably my wife. <laughs> No, but there, there's some See, I don't, there's some self help yeah. guy online that's he's like an ex Navy SEAL or something. And he's always talking about that. that you know, yeah, you think, I think, he, I know who you think he's about, gonna yeah. give like some big piece of advice, and he's like, make your bed. <laughs> yeah, which is weird because like and like you said, everybody's so different. My wife makes her bed every morning. She gets up every morning at 4 a.m. She doesn't have to be to work. Well, she doesn't have to be anywhere now because she works from home. But like prior to this, she didn't have to be into work till 9 a.m. She just loved getting up early. That was her time. And she loves making her bed every single day. And I'm the exact opposite. Like, I can sleep in uh, as late as I want. Uh, you know, I mean, I get up early now for my job, but most of my life I've been a night owl. And I never make my bed. I mean, unless I've got company coming over that's going to be walking through that room, I see no point in it, you know? So, uh, but I have other routines that I found, yeah. you know, that work for me. And she, that's a routine that, that works for her, for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's the the awesome part about this show specifically is that we're sharing so many different tools and ideas and stuff that can yeah, become yeah. that. Uh, and, you know, you might listen to one episode. I, I might even interview someone and be like, yeah, that's totally not me. Uh, mm-hmm. But I know that for someone else that might resonate with them. And, and the the key thing is just to try things, right? Like to, you might, you don't really know whether or not it's going to be something that – and you got to try it for like – if it sounds like it might be helpful for you, you got to try it for like a couple weeks. If you try it for a couple yeah, days, yeah. there's like definitely a dip after – like the first couple days is like, yeah, this is great. Like I'm waking up for the sunrise. And then like day four, you're yep. like – screw this <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. but then you no, push that, past that and you start to see the results yeah i i even say give it like three weeks because yeah. i mean the, there's that old adage about you know 21 days to break a bad habit or establish a new one like give it three weeks because like, i remember when i i had to do that when i started working mornings because like i said i was a night owl and then all yeah. of a sudden i had to get up at 3 30 a.m every day <laughs> so it took it took me about three weeks it was the first three weeks were just pure hell. And then my body finally started adjusting and, and got used to it. But you're right. I mean, cause that it's that whole consistency thing, you know, if, uh, cause that's, I think that's, that's like the, the number one thing that kills 90% of people's, um, goals of like losing weight or getting in a better shape or feel just feeling better with their mental wellness, um, is that they don't do it consistently every day. People give ourselves these cheat days for, anything and everything and that like cheat days don't exist it's either you have a balance in your life and you're doing something every single day you're practicing this thing every single day or you're not doing it every single day yeah and that's 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 where i saw great results was like i'm going to commit to this every single day because i i remember when i was younger it was a full commitment every single day and i thought you know if i got there once i can get there again right. but i know it's going to take hard work and focus doing it every single day every meal you know it's not that day by day it's meal by meal you know so it's just yeah um so so yeah so consistency is huge well and i think it's that's huge. something that uh recovery teaches a lot of people and which is why you see a lot of people in recovery that are so like hyper obsessed with self-improvement like you kind of yeah, get yeah. to that one point and then you're like well what else can i work on you know yeah. like, what other <laughs> what else can i perfect yeah. yeah which i think that in and of itself can be a bit of an addiction and a uh, problem sometimes if you go over oh well, i think it, yeah but... i think i have a and my wife says i have a healthy addiction with like <laughs> fitness right yeah. now and it's like it, she's right you know but but we're all there we all have habits yeah. we all have things that yes. that are habitual and i think to think that we're not gonna operate like that is not possible that's how humans are built so being able to choose which habits and and choose habits that are gonna have healthy mm-hmm. results that's the best you can ask for you know yeah yeah for sure yeah i I agree. I think it's 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 a fine line between what is a destructive addiction and a healthy habit in a lot of ways, and and, and you know people, and that's one big thing that I I kind of realized with you know when I started the podcast I'm doing now is because I realized that there were a number of other things that I behavioral addictions that I had yeah. that were also negatively impacting my life, and I looked around and I thought these are effect. This isn't just me behavioral addictions is it's it's one i think one of the most underappreciated uh or respected areas of addiction because we don't necessarily look at like how many times we pick up our cell phone a day as an addiction or how yep. many times we check social media or how those social media likes or comments or shares or how many views our video got how that affects the same part of our brain as cocaine you yeah. know and or 
uh, binge watching TV. I mean, I, all of these things I'm listing, by the way, are things that I am still trying to get better at not doing. Right. So don't get me. I'm not trying to say I'm, I'm I'm not on my you know high horse or anything here by, by any means. Um, but I definitely can see it for what it is now. And so like eating fast food, that was one that I had to cut because that it's it's such a false feeling of satisfaction yeah. and it's just i i noticed that each time i was doing these things it was the same thing as when i was trying to get that short-term fix off of the pain pills it wasn't making me feel better it was just making me not feel bad yeah and so it was like okay if i can eat this crap or watch this show for 10 hours it'll temporarily temporarily numb me so i don't have to think about the real issues that I need to address, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The food thing is huge, like sugary foods, like savory foods, like that are overly, like, you know, we process, humans in nature did not have to deal with that. Like sugar was great in nature because it provided yeah. c uh, condensed calories and energy, right? But we've over-optimized our food source to that, where now yeah. it's like a major problem for a lot of people that may not, may or may not even realize it, the amount mm -hmm. of sugar consumption uh it yeah. is just destroying your your brain and your ability to uh like manage motivation and manage your, all of those things and your, it honestly like messes with your hormones too yeah it does yeah and it's all started i mean it, it went so far back people don't look at like sugar as this um <laughs> like a cartel but it almost is i mean it really is it's it's uh, it's something that started back when they the whole fat-free phase came into uh, you know the country back in the 70s, mm -hmm. where it was like, oh, fat-free, it's fat that's making you fat. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, well, right. it wasn't. It was fat is, fat is good for you. I mean, fat, carbohydrates, proteins, they're all good for you. Your body needs all of them just in a balanced presentation. Yep. And so sugar is in high fructose corn syrup, syrup which we now and high processed foods yeah there's studies after studies saying that it doesn't just help you put on weight or give you you know respiratory or heart problems and cholesterol but it also like you said it can deteriorate your brain uh just as if not more severely than say having a, a cocaine addiction or, or a hard substance addiction because that's really what sugar is it's, it's one of the most addicting things and people ask me, why is soda so hard to quit? I gave up ca uh, caffeine and it wasn't this bad. Yeah, it took me three months. I was a Coca-Cola <laughs> addict, yeah, basically. Right. I, mean, I could drink a six to 12 pack a day when I'd be editing all night, you yeah. know? And it took me three months just to wean off of that to, to get to water, you know? And yeah, it is hard. It is addictive. And it's very dangerous and, and even deadly, I think, to mm -hmm. a lot of people's we're seeing now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge trigger for me too, for depression. Like I'll notice, like I'll have a, it drove me crazy. My last uh, apartment that I was in where I had a roommate, she would always have candy like laying around cause her mom would yeah. give her candy and she'd just have these bags of candy. And I would just eat the whole bag in one sitting because mm -hmm. most of the time I've cut sugar out. And then it's basically like, you know, I have this moment of relapse where it's just like, I'll just have one. And, <laughs> and yeah. then it's like, I eat the whole bag and then I just feel horrible. And then the next yeah. couple of days, and I'm mindful of that. Like I realize, like you know, like let's say the next day I feel super depressed and just like I have no energy and I just feel wiped out. Before I would be like, well, what's wrong with me? What's going on? And I, now I'm like, oh, okay, it's because I, you know, binged on sugar yesterday. Maybe just don't do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's right. I mean, they they've studied that. Like, what? How? How? Like, just a can of Coca-Cola affects your body within like 60 minutes, two hours, three hours, 24 hours. 
and it's pretty if you look at it just for one can of coke and you're like holy cow yeah or one meal like a burger and fries not even counting the soda at wendy's or or burger king there's some guys i watch online they do a lot of those like 30-day challenge type things mm -hmm. too and one of them was uh, it was just a 24-hour challenge where they wanted to see how much how long they would have to work out in the gym to burn off the calories that they just ate in one burger and one fries. It was like, it was like 12 or 1400 calories just in, I think they went to like in and out burger. So it wasn't anything abnormal. And uh, it took them like two and a half hours of just nonstop running, working out, weight training, just everything to burn that level of calories. And that just got them back to even. So then imagine if you're putting yourself that into your body every three meals a day for a lot of people, every day of the week, just how that, that right there alone is, is it's going to be impossible to feel good if that's what you're putting in your body, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's great that that kind of information is becoming more and more widely known. Cause I know like growing up, we would go to McDonald's just like as a treat. Yeah. You know, that nobody, was like, you yeah. know, like, oh, you got good grades. Yeah. Let's go to McDonald's. And like, we'd eat, we just <laughs> yeah. drink. So I don't think I ever drank water. I feel like I never drank water growing up. It was always soda or like uh, juice. juice. Yeah, yeah. Like super sugary juice. And like, you know, mm -hmm. there was, no one really realized there was anything wrong with that until maybe like the early 2000s people started being like whoa <laughs> yeah like, yeah well and you wonder i mean i've i got some like old, you know older boomer generation friends of mine who were like wow why are you know why are things different i don't remember having you know peanut allergies and i don't remember having to talk about our feelings and i don't remember this and that and this and that and it's just like well there's a lot of contributing factors just like right. they mentioned in getting well and getting sick you know in the country uh, there's a lot of contributing factors that's everything from shoving sugar down your kid's throat for 30 years or however yeah. long it may be you know or uh you know or you know the chemicals and products we use i mean there's so many little things that have each one is just a minor, you know, little kind of building block. Mm -hmm. My grandparents, they're in their 80s. They don't remember when they were when they were even adults. They didn't know a single person who got cancer. Cancer was this rare thing that, that, that happened, you know, to people that they heard. They didn't personally know, but yeah. they'd heard some people get it. Now we all know somebody who has it, you know. So, so again, yeah, you got to start looking around and wondering, okay, well, what have we been? What have we been doing to our bodies? What have we been putting in our bodies uh, over the last, you know, fifty years that has had this dramatic shift and change? You know, right? Because it's not just it's not just the change of perception. You know, it's not just oh, we're seeing things different. It's there's literal, tangible, scientific evidence to show that there are differences in human beings and our health, wellness, fitness today versus fifty, sixty years ago. Yeah, I think that that's why we are seeing this huge resurgence or or focus on on wellness whether that's mental or emotional or, or physical and how all those things come together and uh because we're starting to wake up to that um i think people sometimes go a little crazy with it uh like and not that i i think you know it's a total justifiable response to like to see threats to your health everywhere because there kind of are but you kind of have to maintain yeah. a, a certain mm -hmm. amount of sanity um and just yeah. accept it like you know you're you're all humans have always been somewhat influenced our health has been somewhat influenced by our environment and there's just a lot of things that we can't control and it's not it's realistic it, to go overboard about it yeah and it's tough our our instinct in a lot of ways is to, we want to 
okay, we learned this, it helped us, therefore we have to show other people how it'll help them. And we have to get them to change too because they don't realize that they're sick or that they're doing something wrong. So we have to show them. It's this, I don't know if it's a God complex or what it is, but it's part of human nature. We want to we want to help other people, and then sometimes we want to help them for our own reasons yeah. uh, or motivations. So I think that that's an important lesson to keep in mind, too, is you're on your own journey is, you know, the only thing you can. I, I learned this with like anxiety and stuff like you. The only thing you can control at any time is your own breathing. Mm-hmm. You know, if yeah. you boil it down to just, OK, I, I can't control this person yelling at me. I, you know, I can't control that I have to drive by McDonald's every morning, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, if I'm having an anxiety attack, the only thing I can control right now is my breathing. So I'll start there. Okay, I am in control of my breathing now. What else can I control? Okay, I can control what I put into my body. You know, that's my choice. You know, so I'm going to choose the right things to put in my body. I can choose to uh, do meditation and focus on my mental wellness and fitness and things like that. So you start building off of that and then leave it at that. You know, you don't have to try and change the world. You don't have to try and change other people. If they want help or if they ask you, you know, be that good friend or that good Samaritan. But um, I think too often we kind of derail our own progress by trying to force what we know or have learned on other people and that yeah. you know then that doesn't do anybody any good yeah and that's like the way that i used to be like that for sure where i'd be like especially when i first it's funny because when i first uh got sober i was like that to everybody and then i had like a year-long relapse that was a pretty serious relapse and then uh now i'm much more like if you want to talk about it, we'll talk about it. But otherwise, I'm not going to like... And, you know, I'll talk about yeah. it in the context of myself, like how good I feel and, like, whatever. Like, But you do you. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if you want to come around yeah. to, like... And I, you know, I've been on both sides of certain circumstances, and it's like I can see, you know, some a lot of times what I notice is someone is like, I'm anxious or, like, I'm having a serious anxiety problem, and they're smoking weed every day and doing all kinds of other drugs, but they won't admit that that yeah. could possibly be the thing that's causing the anxiety. And, like, in that circumstance, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of hard for me not to be like, well, hey, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, there might be something yeah. there. But also, like, I don't because unless they really want me to help them, like, that's not helpful for me to point out because they're not going to take it and, like, do anything with mm-hmm. it because they didn't. And you learn that in – you, people learn that in Al-Anon too. Yeah. You, you know, a person. I mean, we're dealing with a situation in our life right now with someone we care about who is in a state of denial I've never seen before. I mean, it's just kind of. I mean, she's she's denied taking the things, the substance that she bought from the person. It's like she bought it from Bob, and then she's telling Bob, "No, I never took anything." Like what? Like it's just. Mm-hmm. But you have to learn that you know what that they're. You know, they're an adult. It's their, if they're an adult. I mean, if they're a minor, obviously, parents want to step in. But, right. like, you know, they're an adult. This is their body. It's their life, you know. And, and all you can do is offer to help or support them in the best way possible. But you can't force them to want to change. You can't force them to um, check themselves into rehab or go to therapy or or learn. I mean, should be, that's a hard lesson in America. We learn. You can't force people to even learn <laughs> yeah. new things anymore. So, so yeah. So I think that uh, I think it it takes a lot of patience and grace to kind of step back and not judge others and give them that space to either get better or get worse. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's we it's and I think that's honestly something that I think. NA and AA can really teach, could could teach a lot of people right now with the pandemic is that you don't have any control over this situation. 
Yep. You know, and people are finding that out the hard way. We don't have any control over this, this pandemic and all the ramifications. And how do you manage that? You know, I think it's funny that this comes up in every single episode that I interview someone or anybody that What's I talk that? to is this idea of, which is funny because, you, you know, everyone has their own places where they learned this idea. For me, it was from Stoicism and then later Buddhism, too. Mm-hmm. And obviously, AA also is this idea that you can only focus on the things that you can control and you need to release the things that you cannot control. Otherwise you're going to just be full of suffering. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's where almost all suffering comes from is from trying to control things that you cannot control. Uh, exactly. And it's crazy because there are so many things that we can control that we're like, you know, sitting there worried about who the president is yeah. and what they're doing and like yeah, yeah. what Bob down the street is doing mm-hmm. when like there's so many things in our daily lives that are making us that could make us feel better if if we just focused on those things yeah and that's that's been my kind of i guess mission to a degree i mean because that's something big that in that book i mentioned earlier that micro resilience that they Mm -hmm. uh that these it's a it's a uh two coaches they go they go around and they'll help you know coach individuals and stuff and a lot of famous athletes and stuff like that but um but yeah it's that it's that ability to to see, okay, I can I can only control, you know, like you said, what's in front of me and what I'm going through and eliminating all those things that are not productive, that are not positive. And so like for me, uh, it's like, why am I watching four hours of cable news every day? Like is this is am I really learning it something? Am I bettering myself? Or is this just tabloid uh, you know, gossip preying on my my yeah. fears? Uh, to give me anxiety, and that's the latter for me, at least. And you, you know, know exactly and, how that works too, having worked in that yes, industry. Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's like, I mean, it, the most famous, the most famous, famous manipulators of that type of medium will admit freely. I yep. mean, even from Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh, they know it's a show. I had a guy. They, it's a show they're putting on. It's not. They're not really believing everything they say. They're right. saying it because it's a show and that it works. Oh, it gets yeah. people terrified and they listen. And then they make much of money. Yeah, I had a yeah. uh, at the old radio station I worked at. They were at a conference and one of the guys, one of the hosts, super liberal person, like guy, went up to the, the Rush Limbaugh and was like, "How can you live with yourself?" <laughs> With yeah. the things that you say and the fear that you're like implanting in people's minds, and he just laughed at the kid and was like, "It's showbiz." Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, what do you? That's what Hollywood does, just in different ways. Yeah, really. I mean, and I had to learn that with like, I've in radio, and you maybe know this too, but I mean, in radio, there's a lot of bad managers. There's just a, I don't know why, but the radio industry seems to be plagued with managers from like 1994 <laughs> who just have this antiquated belief you know, management style. And that can be very hard to deal with, especially when you see the whole industry changing around you and you're like, well, we need to be doing this and this and this. And you know what? And they're like, no, no, no. And I would get a lot of anxiety at work. And I finally realized with these people that like, I, I'm not going to change them from being a narcissist or being, uh, having that personality or that belief or that management style. I can't, it's impossible to change it. So are they going home every day and complaining to their wives for an hour straight once they walk in the door about how stupid this is and you yeah. know, everything? Or are they just going about their lives? And it's usually the latter. Right. And so why am I obsessing over this every day then? So it's like, okay, I can't change them. I can't control them. I can only control how I react to them. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that I can control. And once you start doing that, 
then it's almost like, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like you see the trees through the forest. You know, it's like you have a step back and you're like, oh, okay, like this isn't a big deal. Why was I freaking out over this for so long when I can see what it for what it really is? Yeah. You know, I can, and most of the time you see people, it's like, wow, that's just, that person just, you feel sorry for them. Right. Almost. Yeah. These same people that, you know, uh, not so long ago, I was just thought, oh, they're just idiots or they didn't get it or <laughs> I just want to, you know. Like if there if physical combat was allowed, oh my God, this would be great. You know, like that level of frustration. Right. And yeah. then when you flip it around, you're like, wow, like they're, it's obvious that the way that they deal with stress is by manifesting it in anger or in, you know, different, different ways, you know? So you, if you kind of learn how they operate, you can say, okay, I know why they are the way they are. I know that I can't control it. And so I'll control the way I react to it and how I, how I present things to them. So that it doesn't impact me anymore because that, that only hurts you. Yeah, absolutely. And going back, going full circle, you set up those boundaries of like, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I get to control my own boundaries so I can say, you like, yeah. I just refuse to engage with you in that way, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And if that makes you lose your job, then too bad. Then find a new job. That job wasn't. <laughs> and you can, you can find ways, you can find ways too to reset. Like that I found, like if you have like somebody who's a hostile manager yeah. is this, you know, since we're talking about this example and maybe they just fly off the handle at you mm-hmm. over things that they shouldn't fly off the handle. So that's, that's, that's their problem. And so, uh, like learning diaphragm breathing techniques and things like that to keep your, yeah. um, your you know heart rate down so that you don't react emotionally in the same moment but i've said things like you know listen like i understand that this is making you upset right now but i can't have a conversation with you when you're like this so let's calm down and let's reconvene in, a, in an hour when we can have a rational discussion and usually they'll be caught off guard like well, what what but yeah you know, right. in today's world of hr they're not going to start yelling at you again right yeah if they are then you go you should go to hr and talk to them but but it, it does work, you know, or like they, my manager was notorious for just um, saying, you know, uh, calling these meetings with me and, you know, my supervisor, you know, all right, we're meeting 11 a.m. Monday and put in the calendar, and, but it would never tell me what they were for. And so then I would show up to the meeting and get kind of attacked from both people. Why are things happening this way? And why isn't this? And why isn't that? And of course you feel defensive and you're like, you know, I feel like I would feel like I'm having a panic attack in that moment. Right. And so I just said, listen, I can't meet with you until, unless you tell me what we're meeting about. And it's not just because I need to know. It's because it's for my own mental health. Like I can't that I have, you know, anxiety problems. And I've discussed this with our HR person. And it's just I can't do that. And they'll respect it. I mean, I, I most times I yeah. have, most times they will. So, you know, if you're saying nothing and you're doing nothing uh, for yourself to protect yourself and create those boundaries, mm-hmm. then they're going to continue to be violated. Right. Absolutely. And that holds true for in the workplace and in your personal life. And so and if yourself, mm-hmm. too, there's so many ways that you set boundaries with yourself. And then you uh, there was someone that I had on the podcast recently. And they were talking about like the, the how much do you trust yourself when you say you're going to do something? Yeah. Do you violate that trust? Because that's where a lot of self-doubt and self, um, you know, mm-hmm. issues with shame. your self-confidence and shame comes yeah. from is you have to start. You, you might have to, like, really pull back the 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 like level of what you're expecting from yourself because mm-hmm. you, you've just proven to yourself that you can't do that so you know like say it's make your bed every morning like saying i'm gonna make my bed in the morning and then i'm gonna prove to myself that i can do that like making it a super small win rather than trying to like 
you know go way over overboard yeah i'm a I'm a big, big believer in like mini goal setting and all yeah. like things like making the bed and things like that. I mean, I, I think they do help a lot and they help you kind of the feeling of overwhelming, being feeling overwhelmed and frustrated. I think you can really um, break that up by taking on big projects or big things in your life piece by piece and breaking it down into smaller sections. But you're right. I mean, and even with addiction too, I think that um you know you learn that you don't trust yourself because you i mean you can't you know Mm -hmm. i mean they other people don't trust addicts addicts don't trust themselves either right and i think that's that's probably a big um that's probably a big factor in leading to the amount of guilt and shame that addicts put on themselves you know that makes it it makes it almost impossible and through their in, in that moment for them to see getting help or getting better right you know yeah yeah. Um, okay, so I would like to point people to your show because you have a show where you talk about similar things mostly, um, mm-hmm. and that is the fix, right? Yep, it's the fix, and um, there's uh, there was a, when I picked the title. Apparently, there's another show called the fix. Okay, yeah, which is about sports or something. So it's the fix. It's the and, fix. Okay. Yep, and the premise is is a lot along to what we're talking here about, kind of how I found balance and talking to people. Um, I'm a big believer in other people in you know, sharing my story with and also other people that people may know and respect or look up to public figures, et cetera, share their story because that definitely helped break the stigma for me when I was going through it. Um, and, and, you know, the, the name it's the fix comes from that short term fix that I mm. stumbled upon when I was going through addiction of like, I need it not to feel better, but just to f- not feel sick. And there are so many other short-term fixes in yeah. our lives that we keep going for so so really the, the the premise came from that and then like finding a, a long-term fix that you can commit to uh and uh, so yeah so we try and offer different ways things that have helped uh, myself and my wife usually joins me each week on it she's i, I put through uh, her through a fair share of trauma <laughs> through this whole ordeal so uh uh, so she's well versed in, in in that so uh so yeah so it's been really fun so far and as i'm sure you found out too it's been really touching to hear the response mm-hmm. uh, from people, uh, even if it's just somebody who just knows you, an old friend from high school. I had a woman who's, I went to school with her kid and um, he died in an accident and she, uh, years ago, and, and she reached out and said, God, I wish that, you know, you and my boy could have talked 10 years ago because he would probably still be alive and you probably wouldn't have gone through what you you went through because it, it was alcoholism and, and substances that kind of led to his accident and demise. So, yeah. you know, it's 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 really touching to hear that. Now, that's the biggest thing I'll probably would want to leave people with is that you're not alone. Everybody has we all have some sort of mental health struggle, some mental wellness goal that we're trying to accomplish or place we want to get to. And more times than not, people have a behavioral addiction or they have they have an unhealthy addiction in their life. That is, con- that is kind of blocking them from getting to that good place. Mm-hmm. So we are all connected in that way, and we can all learn from, appreciate, and support each other. Absolutely. That's a wonderful way to end it off. Thank you, Matt. Um, there will be links down in the show notes below. Is there any specific place where people can connect with you or, or find the show if they're interested? Yeah, you can subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts. We're up on uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Basically, anywhere you get your podcast, there's some podcast platforms I've never even heard of. I know. Of I always say, like, those. I'm everywhere that uh, the pod- yeah. podcast can be listened to. And if I'm not somewhere, please tell me. 
<laughs> yeah, get it there. Yeah, we're you can find just if you search it's the fix. Uh, we do have a website it's the fix.com as well where you can subscribe and listen there. But yeah, everywhere you get your podcast, it's the fix. Uh, would love uh, if you have the chance to check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your story and and the insights you've learned along the way. You too, man. It was great talking with you. <laughs>